With all of the different conflicts or potential conflicts around the world, End Time Ministries and the End of the Age program has received many inquiries lately about the the different wars prophesied to occur in the end time. We've spent a lot of time talking about the Sixth Trumpet War, World War III, and the war in heaven in Revelation 12, but not much time has been spent on the Battle of Armageddon itself. So today we will analyze this last great war, actually over the next couple segments of End of the Age. There are many wars prophesied to occur prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon in the end time. Jesus talked of wars and rumors of wars. You've got the Sixth Trumpet War. So many things are going to happen, conflicts between now and that final battle. The Sixth Trumpet War, World War III, will occur. It's easy to prove using Scripture that that war will occur sometime before the Great Tribulation, which is the final three and one-half years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Battle of Armageddon, which is a totally separate war, will be fought at the very end of the Great Tribulation period. And as this battle rages, many things will happen simultaneously. Jesus Christ will pour out His wrath on the invading forces. He will return with the armies of heaven to fight on behalf of Israel. He will dismantle the governments of men. No more world government. He will cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. He will bind Satan for 1,000 years. And he will establish his physical kingdom here on the earth. So, A lot of prophecies happen simultaneously right there at the second coming in the Battle of Armageddon. And there's actually more. I won't have time in these segments to cover it all. More scripture is devoted to this battle than any other uh, war in the Bible, making Armageddon the most recognizable war in all of scripture. The war will be devastating to the nation of Israel, but that will pale in comparison to what Jesus will do when He pours out His wrath on the coalition of armies that come against Israel. Now, Scripture tells us Israel will bury those destroyed by God for seven months, and it will burn their weapons of war for seven years. I mean, you know, no wonder John was told uh, in Revelation 19.15 to call it the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And even with all the scriptures pertaining to this war, many folks have misinterpreted 
um, the location and the specific characteristics and the timing of the battle. Some claim, some are claiming now in the news that the Russia-Ukraine conflict could be the beginning of the Ezekiel 38 war and the end of the world. However, a clear understanding of that prophecy reveals that this is impossible. The Ezekiel 38 and 39 war is the battle of Armageddon, which as of um, this program is at the very least seven years away and will be localized to the nation of Israel. It also has prophesied characteristics that pertain only to the battle of Armageddon and no other war. Unlike the Sixth Trumpet War, which will start in the Euphrates River region and then expand across the globe, Scripture foretells that the Battle of Armageddon will be localized right there in Israel. I know a lot of people have thought for years, uh, I've had conversations uh, with some that thought the Battle of Armageddon and, and all the hailstones and everything that happens is going to be a global war. But that's simply not the case. It is localized right there in Israel. So let's talk about the location. How can we prove that? that it is located right there in Israel. Well, Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 38, verses 4 and verse 8. He said, And I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, horses and horsemen, and all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company of bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. And in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel. So Ezekiel foretold that in the latter years a coalition of armies would come specifically against the mountains of Israel. Now, also in the Bible, we can kind of map the path of the Battle of Armageddon. I mean, Scripture provides a specific course. The Battle of Armageddon will follow, starting with the drying up of the Euphrates River. The Bible says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. That's Revelation 16, 12. So Revelation chapter 16 and 19 is devoted to the events that will occur right there at the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we know here in Revelation 16, 12, it is pertaining to the Battle of Armageddon. The Euphrates River is the principal water source of the Middle East. The river is going to be dried up to facilitate the invasion of of Jerusalem for the Battle of Armageddon. Way back on, I think it was in, um, I think it was January 13th, back in 1990, I remember the Indianapolis Star published an article. The title of the article was, Turkey will cut off the flow of the Euphrates for one entire month. Now, this was not the drying up of the, of the Euphrates prophesied in Revelation 16 because it's not time for that war yet. But Turkey needed to fill up a, the, um, a, 
a reservoir that they had just completed at, uh, called the Ataturk Reservoir, which caused them to raise the dam for 30 days so they could fill that up. Well, this is significant because the Ataturk Dam, located in southern Turkey, gives Turkey total control over the flow of the Euphrates River. And it's highly likely that this ability to stop the river will be used by Turkey to clear the way for the rapid invasion of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. So I know we're coming up on a break here, and when we get back from the break, we'll continue to map the course of the Battle of Armageddon so you can understand it's located right there in Israel. In the Bible, God gave us a timeline from the beginning to the end of the age. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching our brand new video, The Future According to Bible Prophecy. Get your DVD of The Future According to Bible Prophecy free with a gift of any amount. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's endtime.com slash future or 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Revelation 16, 16 says, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. The word Armageddon comes from two words, Har-Megiddo, or Hill of Megiddo. And you can stand in the ancient city of Megiddo in northern Israel, overlooking the plain of Megiddo, also known as the Valley of Jezreel. The world government armies will come across the dried up Euphrates River, travel down through Syria and invade Israel near the valley of Jezreel. And there they will engage Israel and the military, the Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF. Israel will be, of course, outmanned and outgunned by the superior firepower of the world governing armies and will slowly be driven back down through the Jordan Valley up to the gates of Jerusalem. 
Because that's the entire reason for the Battle of Armageddon, to come down to Jerusalem to battle. In Joel chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says, And I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. So immediately outside the walls of the Temple Mount, if you've been to Israel, there is a valley called the Valley of Jehoshaphat. It's also known as the Kidron Valley. It lies just outside the eastern gate where it is prophesied in Scripture that Jesus Christ will enter into at the time of His second coming. And then Zechariah 14, 1 through 2 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. And thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Jerusalem is the only city, Almighty God said uh, 37 times in the Old Testament, that He would put His name there. And since then, 40 major wars have been fought over Jerusalem. I mean, it's as if Satan said, well, if that's where you want your name then that's where I want my name. And he has been fighting the Lord for it since that time. No wonder Scripture foretells the last war on earth will culminate at the gates of this great city. Now, it was Ezekiel, Joel, Zechariah, and John. They all foretold the exact location of the Battle of Armageddon, and that is localized right there in the nation of Israel. And along with specific scriptures mentioning Israel and Jerusalem as the setting for the war, the distinct features of this battle reveal the enemy's rationale for the invasion of the, and the judgments that will follow. So, Let's look at some of the characteristics that pertain only to this war. Now, again, numerous prophecies will be fulfilled simultaneously at the Battle of Armageddon. And so, many of these are... Well, there are things happening right now that are setting the stage for the Battle of Armageddon and all of these characteristics that will take place. It appears that the Antichrist world-governing armies, influenced by Satan himself, will invade Israel to enforce anti-biblical resolutions. Remember, Satan is the principal driver of the end-time world government and the Antichrist in the end time. So he will use these anti-God, anti-biblical resolutions to force compliance, to force Israel into compliance with the edicts of the world governing body. One example of what we call the Armageddon Resolution is the UN Security Council Resolution 2334, which was passed back on December 23rd, 2016. The Resolution 2334 states that it reaffirms that the establishment by Israel of settlements in the Palestinian territory occupied since 1967, the Six Days War, including East Jerusalem, 
has no legal validity and constitutes a flagrant violation under international law and is a major obstacle to the achievement of a two-state solution and a just, lasting, and comprehensive peace. So, I mean, there it is, right? Item number one of the UN Security Council Resolution 2334, passed back in December of 2016, clearly states that Israel's presence in East Jerusalem, which is where the Temple Mount is located, that it is illegal and is a flagrant violation of international law. Well, the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 14, verses 2 through 3, foretells the invasion of Jerusalem by the international forces of the United Nations to enforce Resolution 2334 and other resolutions like that. It says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. The prophecy, if you go back to Revelation 16, 16, it identifies this invasion of Jerusalem by all nations at the battle of Armageddon. Again, it says, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now make no mistake, the world took its first fateful step toward the Battle of Armageddon on December 23rd, 2016. And believe me, there will be other resolutions that are brought forth against Israel between now and the time of that battle. But since Resolution 2334 was passed, many nations have continued to reference it in an effort to get the United Nations to force Israel to capitulate and surrender East Jerusalem. The Palestinians are bringing it up all the time. They are constantly talking about Resolution 2334. But Israel is never going to divide Jerusalem. The Bible says that they will retain control of Jerusalem all the way till the end. The Bible says at the time of the Battle of Armageddon, that they will lose half of Jerusalem. So up until that time, they have been in control of the city of Jerusalem all the way through. Hence the invasion of the world-governing armies to enforce these resolutions at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, let's talk about the invading armies. John, John, uh, in the book of Revelation prophesied the invasion of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. He said, And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, come out of the mouth of the dragon, Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, who will be the leader of the world religious system at that time. For they are spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And then it says, And he gathered them into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Now that's Revelation 16, verses 13 and 14, and then 16. Ezekiel prophesied the very same invasion. He said, And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, 
the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and will bring thee forth and all thine armies, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. And after many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is bought brat from the sword, and is gathered out of many peoples against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. That's Ezekiel 38, 3 through 4, and then verse 8. So Ezekiel contains really one of the most remarkable prophecies in the Bible. There are many. But almost 2,600 years ago... Now, what were you doing 2,600 years ago, right? And, man, the prophecy is so amazing. But all the way back then, Ezekiel foretold that at the end of the age, just ahead of us now, the nation of Russia would lead an alliance of nations against Israel. At the time Ezekiel prophesied this, the only people living in what is now Russia were primitive tribesmen. As late as the mid-1500s, the only ones predicting Russia would ever be powerful enough to invade Israel were Bible-believing Protestants. I mean, Schofield, for example, he noted that the primary reference to the northern European powers headed up by Russia that all agree. Now we need to talk about Gog and Magog the, and the invading armies. Who, who is that? Well, the terms Gog and Magog are terms, they're, they're generally used in the Bible to identify evil forces opposed to God. The Greeks referred to Magog as the Scythians who lived in northern regions above the Caucasus Mountains. And Josephus, the second century Roman historian, he wrote that the descendants of Noah, after they were dispersed abroad on account of their languages, and that they went out by colonies everywhere, and each colony took possession of that land unto which God led them. Magog founded those that for him were named Magogites, but who are by the Greeks called, again, Scythians. Today we understand that to be prophetically specific, Gog is the leader of the Russian invasion against Israel, and Magog, Tubal, and Meshach are actually modern-day Russia. Tubal and Meshach are sons of Japheth, one of the sons of Noah, who settled south of the Black Sea. And it is generally understood that the name, of, the name Moscow is derived from the tribal name Meshach. Now, we know that the Russian bear, the modern-day nation of Russia, is going to lead the attack against Israel at the great battle of Armageddon. Ezekiel describes a future attack on Israel by Gog and Magog, Russia, and the mainly Islamic countries of Persia, which modern-day Iran and portions of northern Iraq and Afghanistan, Kush, Ethiopia and Sudan, Put, uh, Libya and possibly Tunisia, Algeria, and Morocco, Gomer, Eastern Europe, and the house of Togarma, or modern-day Turkey and Armenia. I mean, really, Turkey has been 
until recently an ally of Israel, but today Islam has again become an increasing influence there. And then we have to look at when we're talking about uh, the Ezekiel's 38 and 39 war and the battle of Armageddon being the same war, you have to look at Ezekiel and the great supper of God. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 contain an in-depth account of the battle of Armageddon. A comparison between an Old Testament verse and a, another verse from the New Testament confirmed that the battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel is in fact the battle of Armageddon mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's the same war. So I want you to consider the undeniable similarities of a couple of verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. A couple passages, I should say. Back in Ezekiel chapter 39, Ezekiel said, And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord God, Speak unto every feathered fowl and to the beast of the field. Assemble yourselves and come, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, goats, bullocks, and all the fatlings of Bashan. Now, God called this great, the beast of the earth and the fowls of the air, to this great supper that he would prepare for them. That's Ezekiel 39 verses 17 through 18. Now I want you to listen to a New Testament version of this same thing, this great supper of God, but this is in Revelation 19, verses 17 through 18. John said, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the great supper of the great, under the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and them that set upon them, and the flesh of all men, free and bond, both small and great. So isn't that amazing that God wanted us to know specifically which war Ezekiel 38 and 39 was? Now there's many other ways to prove that, but those are two that are just almost identical. And I wanted you to understand that that they were the same exact war because a lot of people are getting kind of messed up saying, well, hey, Russia and Ukraine could be Ezekiel 38 and 39. But that simply can't be because the Battle of Armageddon is the exact same war. And these two scriptures prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. God bless. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, End-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. We're continuing our study analyzing the battle of Armageddon because there are so many wars that are prophesied about the end time and we want to make sure that we can tell which one are because um, it helps us on the timeline, God's prophetic timeline that he created all the way back from the Old Testament prophets all the way to Revelation chapter 22 beyond the great white throne of judgment. And so there are many reasons. Plus, it's just taught in the Word of God, and we want to make sure we get these things right. So now we're going to go to God's wrath against the invading armies. Now, again, a lot of people have taught that these are worldwide, but we've just learned that they're localized right there to the nation of Israel. And also, some teach that the Great Tribulation is the wrath of God. However... Revelation chapter 12, verse 12 through 17, tells us that the great tribulation is the wrath of Satan against Israel and the true church of Jesus Christ. The great tribulation is the final three and one half years prior to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the seven vials in the book of Revelation, part of the skeletal structure, the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, the seven vials contain the wrath of God, and that will be poured out right at the end of the Great Tribulation. Not throughout. The Great Tribulation is Satan's wrath. The great, uh, the Battle of Armageddon and the God's wrath will be poured out at that time, just prior to and during the battle. So the, the um, God will use the vials during the Battle of Armageddon to deliver Israel from the armies of the Antichrist really much like he used the plagues in the Old Testament against Pharaoh to deliver Israel from Egypt, if you remember that story. As a matter of fact, five of the seven vials in Revelation 16 are actually duplicates of five of the ten plagues poured out on Egypt. And it's really another way to show the Battle of Armageddon is localized to the nation of Israel And you do this by analyzing the comparison 
of the vials in Revelation to the plagues of Egypt back in Exodus. So if you, if you look in Revelation chapter 16, the first vial is a grievous sore that took on, that's poured out on those that took the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation. That's one of the ways we know that it's at the very end. But then look at the plagues of Egypt. There were boils and blains. That's all the way back to Exodus chapter 9, verse 9 through 10. Then the second and the third vials of the wrath of God, the sea and the river and the fountains became as blood. Well, if you remember back in the plagues of Egypt, the water turned to blood. That's Exodus 7, what, 17 through 18. And then the fourth vial of the wrath of God, men were scorched with great heat. But this did not happen during, back during the time of Moses. The fifth vial of the wrath of God, the kingdom of the beast, or the Antichrist, was full of darkness. Well, remember the plagues of Egypt. There was great darkness. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 22. And then, of course, the sixth vial of the wrath of God, the Euphrates River is dried up. This did not happen in the time of Moses, but it certainly will happen in the near future. And then finally, the seventh vial of the wrath of God, great hail. Well, remember back in the plagues of Egypt, there was great hail, Exodus 9, verse 18. So a quick study of the correlation between the plagues of Egypt and the seven vials of the wrath of God provides very important clues when we're trying to determine the location of these future judgments. Of course, it helps us again even though we're going through some of the characteristics, to understand that this is a localized event right here in the nation of Israel. And that's very important because, again, a lot of people fear that this could be a global war and that God's wrath will be poured out all all around the world, that there will be 125-pound hailstones falling in Dallas, Texas. That simply is not the case. It's going to be localized right there, and God's wrath will be poured out against the armies that come against Israel. Now, it's interesting to see that many of the vials are similar to and sometimes exact duplicates of the plagues of Egypt. Once we understand the similarities and the fact that the plagues of Egypt did not affect the whole world, then it helps us to know the seven vials will also be localized and regional. This is important because the Bible says at the time of the second coming in the battle of Armageddon that the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Remember um, 2 Peter 3, verse 10, and that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, some have taught that at the Battle of Armageddon, that the entire earth will be consumed by a fire and at the time of these vials. But that has to be a misunderstanding because the Bible also says that people will be allowed to live into the millennium, the 1,000-year millennial reign, after these vials are poured out. So the Bible actually says, I beheld then because of the voice, the great words uh, which the horn spake, I beheld to even the beast was slain. That happens, now this is Daniel 7, but he's prophesying about the time of the battle of Armageddon, right here at the very end when the second coming occurs. So Daniel said, I beheld to when the beast, the Antichrist, was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. That will happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. But as concerning the rest of the beast, the rest of the nations that were uh, left here on the earth, 
They had their dominion taken away. The governments were removed and torn down. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. That's Daniel 7, 11 through 12. Also, according to Revelation 19, 20, the same prophecy is fulfilled at the Battle of Armageddon when the Lord will cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. It's the same occurrence, folks. Now, it is telling us that at the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Battle of Armageddon, human governments will be abolished, but the people will not be consumed with fire, but continue living. So you say, well, hold on a minute. What does the elements melting with a fervent heat, what does that melt? Well, when you look at 2 Peter, uh, if you remember 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, what does that mean when it says the elements will melt with a fervent heat? To answer this question, we need to look at an Old Testament prophecy for telling the same event. The Bible says, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that fought against Jerusalem. Now, this is the battle of Armageddon again, and this is in Zechariah. Their flesh will consume away while they stand on their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. Well, of course, this, this, that's Zechariah what? Zechariah 14, 12. This is describing the effects of a nuclear bomb. These are, things that, these are the exact same things that happened at the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So from these passages, we know there will be nuclear weapons used at the Battle of Armageddon. And this is when the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Remember, this is a localized event, not global. And both Zechariah and John were doing the best they could to describe things that would happen in the future during our time. And this was 2,000 to 2,500 years ago. And I think they did a pretty good job of describing these things, don't you? They had never seen a bomb. They had never seen a rocket. They had never even seen a firecracker, for that matter. So, it's at this time, at the, at the Battle of Armageddon, that the Lord returns with His armies. And if you understand what happens, the rapture occurs. We have the, the, read the Revelation chapter 19. The rapture occurs. We have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. And we go straight to fight with the Lord on behalf of Israel at this final battle. And Israel is going to fight valiantly against the world governing forces. I mean, you can only imagine the struggle. But will slowly be driven back down the Jordan Valley. And after days of bitter fighting the Antichrist and his armies will reach the city of Jerusalem, which is their goal. And according to Zechariah 14.2, again, half of the city of Jerusalem will then fall to the superior forces of the world governing army. And when Israel is on the brink of defeat, this will trigger the intervention into the war of none other than Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says, This is Zechariah 14 again. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. That's Zechariah 14, 3 through 4. The Lord will return with the armies of heaven 
which are the raptured saints. Revelation 19, 14, the Bible says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Then Jude 1, 14 says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Zechariah 14, 5, And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And then Revelation uh, 19, verses 15 through 16, describes what will happen next. It says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. So God will utterly defeat the Antichrist world governing armies at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, also, He's going to deal with the leader of the world governing body, the Antichrist, and the leader of that world religious system, the false prophet. They're going to be destroyed. You know, it's at the end of this war that the Lord will destroy, the, again, the leader of the world government and the Antichrist, the false prophet, the religious leader who presided over the world religion at that time. And the Bible says, and the beast was taken. This is the same thing that it described back in Daniel 7. And the beast, or the Antichrist, was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before them. And you remember in Revelation 13, The Bible says the second beast with two horns, which is the false prophet, he will use the have the authority of the first beast before him, which gets his authority from Satan. He will use that authority to cause the world to worship the Antichrist and his world governing system. And he will he will deceive the people by the miracles that he did before them to the point where at one point he will even call fire down from heaven. Well, in Revelation 19, the Bible gives that says what's going to be the um, the judgment of these two individuals, the beast and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and then that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. That's Revelation 19:20. And then the Bible says that Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And oh, won't that be a great day. At Right there at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, God is victorious. He's tearing down, torn down human government. And he's going to establish his kingdom here on the earth. And at that time, Satan is going to be bound. No more Satan for one thousand years. Man, I cannot wait for that day. Can you? I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. At the same time, the Antichrist and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. Scripture tells us that an angel will lay hold upon Satan and bind him for the next 1,000 years. He will then be confined to the bottomless pit, and it's going to prevent him from deceiving the nations during that 1,000-year period. This is when the Lord will reign here on the earth, along with his saints. John said, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan. No, the dragon in end-time Bible prophecy is not China. It's actually Satan himself. And the Bible says he bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. That's Revelation uh, 21 through 3. And then, of course, and this is what we're all looking forward to, the kingdom of God. Once Satan is bound, Jesus will establish his kingdom on the earth. Yes, it will be a physical kingdom. Zechariah 14, 9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, and in that day there shall be one Lord, and his name one. Daniel 2.44 explains um, about the, the coming kingdom of God. It says, And in the days of these kings, which will be the kings that it's referring to, is the ten toes on Nebuchadnezzar's vision, or the current European Union. And we'll talk about that in, other, in future lessons. But in the days of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all the world governing empires before it, all of those kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Revelation eleven fifteen says this concerning the kingdom of God. It's the same event. And the seventh angels, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. This is part, another part of the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever. So the kingdom of God will be when Jesus Christ returns to the earth, tears down the governments of men, and establishes His physical kingdom on the earth for that thousand years. Now, the timing of this. Again, I wanted to do these programs, because, you know, there are people that are saying, well, hey, the, um, you know, the, the Russia-Ukraine situation could be the Battle of Armageddon, or the Ezekiel 38 war, or the end of the world. But once you understand the, the characteristics and the location and the timing of the Battle of Armageddon, it really helps you to pinpoint 
and to be able to pinpoint these, these different things, but to help explain the, uh, the Bible a little better and to know how to set these different wars apart. So the Battle of Armageddon will occur at the end of the Great Tribulation. We know this because the vials of the wrath of God are, again, are used against the invading armies prior to and during that war. But remember, the Great Tribulation is not the wrath of Satan. It's very important that you get that. It's not the wrath of Satan. The, the Great Tribulation is the wrath of Satan. It's not the wrath of God. That's the seven vials of the wrath of God. So at this point on God's prophetic timeline, we're right there at the end of the Great Tribulation. And the seven vials of the wrath of God are, are ready to be poured out. How do we know that? Well, the first vial of the wrath of God provides the answer. The, in, in that vial, the angels are commanded to pour out the wrath of God upon the earth. And the Bible says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first vial went and poured out his vial um, upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievesome sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. That's Revelation 16, 1-2. So, you notice that the first vial cannot be poured out until the mark of the beast has been administered. It's got to be right there at the very end. Other passages tell us that the mark of the beast is implemented during the, during the Great Tribulation, and the reign of the Antichrist which is within the final three and one half years prior to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. So that tribulation has to have occurred, then the vial can be poured out. The Bible says, And power was given unto him, the Antichrist, to continue 42 months. That's the great tribulation. It's important to understand the great tribulation is not a final seven-year period. There is a final seven years, which is Daniel's 70th week. But the great tribulation that Jesus prophesied about in Matthew 24 only lasts the final three and one half years of that. Power was given unto the Antichrist, this is Revelation 13, to continue 42 months. That's three and a half years. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and overcome them. So that's what? Revelation 13, verses 5 and 7. So this is absolute proof that it is the very end of the Great Tribulation when the vials will be executed and the Battle of Armageddon will take place. Now, as a result of all of this, I have so many people that email me, write me, uh, post on our Facebook, our social networking sites, and they want to know, how do we prepare for this? And... You know, I, I want to know that as well, right? How, how do I prepare for this event that's coming? And because we will be here at that point. Now, if you don't understand that at this point, I, I understand your position, and you may not have been through one of our studies about a, a, a rapture occurring at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, one simultaneous event. We'll talk about that in future programs. But it's very important to understand that the church will still be here all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Battle of Armageddon. <clears throat> you say, well, I thought that the 
that we're not appointed under the wrath of God. That's absolutely true. The wrath of God will not be poured out upon His church. He said, well, how do you know we're going to be here during that time? What are you talking about? Well, in Revelation 13, 15, the Bible says, this is after the sixth vial of the wrath of God is poured out. You read Revelation 16. Revelation 16, all the way down to verse 15. After the sixth vial is poured out, and remember, they've come down across the dried up Euphrates River to make way to engage Israel at the plain of Megiddo. The Bible says right there in verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest they walk naked and they see his shame. That's the rapture. That's the rapture and the second coming. It all happens one simultaneous event. Again, the rapture occurs. We have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. And we go forth with him. We're gathered from around the world to have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. Then we go straight with him to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. And so, if you read Revelation 16 over into 19, which is where it continues, because 17 and 18 are parenthetical chapters, it really helps you understand a chronological set of events that happen there. So, with that said, a lot of people say, well, how do I prepare for this? So, the Sixth Trumpet War and the Battle of Armageddon, they're going to happen. We know that. And they are both prophesied in the Bible and the prophecies always come to pass. But I want you to know that at this point, I cannot tell you how to physically prepare for every event that will transpire in the days ahead. I simply don't know that. I don't know of anybody that has the answer to that. Some of these things we will have to live through and we're just going to have to be led by the Spirit of God and, and trust God in this and He will help us through it. But physically, I would say, number one, you've got to be smart. Do your research on different things. If at all possible, I would try to get out of debt. You say, well, do you have to get out of debt to go to heaven? No, I don't believe that. But it would help you not to have a big ball of debt hanging over your head going through some of these things in the end time, right? You can make it. But imagine having a big heavy load of debt or being out of debt. So... I'm saying, this is a recommendation, if at all possible, I'd get out of debt. It wouldn't hurt to probably store up some food and other survival items for any type of a catastrophe, whether it's a wartime scenario or a pandemic. Look at what happened with COVID. Wouldn't have hurt to have some stuff stored up at that point, right? A food shortage, which is what they're talking about now, or a hurricane or tornado, any of these similar events. And just, you got to be smart, do your research, as we go through these things, and as I learn more about it, because this, bat, this battle of Armageddon, it's at least seven years away from us right now. And so nobody on earth knows how we're going to be able to function in society seven years from now. And so we've just got to be smart. We've got to do our research, and we'll be talking back and forth, be doing radio and television programs, writing in our magazine, and helping to instruct others. That's what the Bible says we're going to do back in Daniel eleven thirty two and 33. During the time of the Antichrist, they that do know their God shall be strong in new exploits, and they that understand among the people shall instruct others. That's exactly what we're going to be doing in the end time. However, I must tell you that spiritual preparation is by far 
the most important preparation you can do. And, and the Bible's crystal clear on that topic. I mean, physical preparation, yeah, we need to do our own research and be smart and get, you know, try to figure things out. But on salvation, that's laid out in the Bible. Step one, two, three, four, five, and that, there's no question about it. Scripture tells us the Lord will establish His kingdom on the earth at the end of the battle of Armageddon. The saints will rule with Jesus in His kingdom. Uh, Revelation 5.10 says, And He hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with Him on the earth. And then the Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, in the rapture, on such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with Him for a thousand years. That's Revelation 20, verse 6. So the goal of every person listening to me today is to be prepared for the soon return of Jesus Christ and be part of His kingdom on the earth. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, Except a man is born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And I don't have much time left, but for, I, I want you to know all the verses of Scripture that can help you be prepared for this, the salvation experience. So for a, con- a conclusive explanation, all of the verses of the biblical plan of salvation called being born again, purchased by Jesus Christ on Calvary, call 1-800-363-8463, ask for the free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? Or go to www.endtimealloneword.com and just simply type in, What Do You Mean Born Again? And it will come up there. So my, my, really my statement to you today in spiritual preparation, be born again today. None of us are promised tomorrow. And make sure you understand how to be born again, what to do, how to prepare for the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture. So that way, if you make it to that time and you're raptured, you're ready to go. But again, none of us are promised tomorrow. And I want to make sure that my calling and election is sure, should the Lord call me home between now and then. God bless each and every one of you on your journey. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.